Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. I'm Scott Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analyst consultants or practitioners. We've learned the hard way what works, and perhaps most importantly, what doesn't. On this episode, we're going to have part four of our COVID response series. In March 2020, uh, we had a panel discussion of a venture capitalist, an academic, a top performing sales professional, and Scott and I, and we talked through the impact of the global virus on the economy, and more importantly, on sales enablement. We talked about the data, uh, comparing this to previous recessions. We talked through some ideas and some approaches you can take within your company and uh, projected what we believed would happen inside of companies. As part of that, Scott and I put out a survey to the Insider Nation, and many of you responded not only with thoughts around what was happening in the current economy, but also what you wanted to ask us and what you wanted to hear about. And that's what we're going to talk about today on this episode, the questions from Insider Nation regarding the current condition and the future of sales enablement. Scott, why don't you set us up, provide a story, and uh, center us around this, this concept? Yeah, so we're going back to our, our, our format. So we recorded all of the, the, the previous three episodes all at once, and we, we of course, chopped it out. So it's a, that's in a series. This one, what we're trying to do is make, make sure that we capture enough or we're able to answer enough of the questions. So what we did in our survey is more like a pulse check than a real uh, you know, research survey. We gave uh, our insider nation a whopping six hours to respond, and uh, 25 of you responded. Well, so that's a, I think that's a fantastic turnaround. Uh, so it shows that there's a level of interest and the like. And um, some of the things that, uh, that, that we learned from you and your, your peers, here's what you like about our podcast. We're going to try to keep doing more of this. Uh, allows for a wide open look at what works. I like that because that's actually a design point that, that, that we had. Uh, the presentation and discussion of structured ways to help improve our sales enable initiative. Again, that's great that that's coming out. Brian are very, uh, very focused on, on, the, on, on the structure. Uh, lots, uh, what comes to mind immediately to, uh, to mind our strategic frameworks, role-playing executive points of view, and most of the historical analogies. Tell me the ones that don't work, guys, because I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. They yeah, like um, beaches, that's for sure. Well, the beaches, that plays well with the ladies. We, we, they also like the, uh, the metaphors and insight. Uh, yes. That was part of it. And the content and frank approach, that means I can interrupt you more, I think. That's my, that's my opening. 
Oh, okay. That's how you take it. Instead of that, we're talking, addressing real issues. Right. Uh, Always timely and insightful. Uh, They either affirm what I'm actively promoting or make me stop and reconsider some of the, some of my approaches. It's exactly uh, what we are hopeful is, is happening. Uh, the structure, the back and forth, really insightful, relevant content. Uh, I like this last part. What does it say, Brian? Oh, it doesn't waste uh, my time, which is great. Exactly. We're trying to not waste your time. We're trying to help you make sh- you think through these things to be thoughtful and practical at the same time. Uh, topics are often relevant to me. A few helpful hints on sales enablement focused topics, useful tips, format and openness. Relevant, relevant- topics. Are discussed informal, down to earth tone, and uh, I like this one. The idea of it's a bit theoretical, but also it's got practical ideas, and that's one of the things that, as a design point for this series and this podcast, is provide a little bit of the top down, but also things that you can go do and take away. Yeah, our point of view on that is uh, is pretty simple. If you're too focused on practice over time, and you don't innovate and bring in any new ideas guess what happens? Your practices get stagnant. If you focus too, too much on the theory, guess what? <laughs> Nothing ever happens. Figuring out that balance and what that balance should be is a tough task for anybody in, in sales enabling. So now moving forward, what's our centering story? And I'm going I'm to keep it short because it's more of a metaphor than it is a, a, a story. But um, Brian, do you ever watch the BBC? Oh yeah, I'm fascinated. I like I like comparing the uh, the way um, they present the news. I'm thinking BBC News versus how right. we, we do in the in the states. Yeah. So what what I've what I love is um, so we have states of the union addresses, and they have something uh, different over there. And I'm always fascinated because what happens is the prime minister walks in uh, to whatever the house that is. I don't know what it is, but it addresses Parliament. And he stands and he does a very short prepared remark, sort of like um, a uh, the the letter to shareholders that a CEO might write. Oh yeah, uh, right. And then it's game on, man. Oh my gosh, is it game on? So they have that giant <laughs> book, and he's you know that whatever that book is, that that gigantic book that they have. Oh yeah. And then, boom, they right. start they, they they start getting all these aggressive. Some are aggressive questions, and some are softball questions from all over the place, ranging from this school district has a big drug problem. What are you doing about it to what is the, the global geopolitical landscape look like? I mean, right. Topics all over the place. And it's amazing to me how boom spot on and how quick the prime minister answers those questions. And then I compare that to the past presidents that we've had and I go, Hmm, Wow, wouldn't it be great if they could answer questions like that? So um, here we are, we're trying to mimic that. And what we're gonna do is in, in the survey that we prepared to try to collect your feedback uh, and what's on your mind as investors of our, as investors or, or uh, 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 listeners of our show, and what's on your mind, we put out the survey and some of, we had some open-ended topics and one of the topics was what topics, discussion or advice would you like to hear in this special podcast? And after we recorded our panel session that Brian referred to with Dr. Dover and Kunal Mehta and um, Lindsey Gore, we went through and said, you know, we think we answered these questions, but in a roundabout way, 
let's go through and be specific. So what we're going to do is we're going to go off, we're going to alternate reading in order. So these are questions that appeared in order. We've arranged them in no particular way. We don't you know who has time for that. But these are the, in the exact words of you, our audience. Yeah, and these, these came in uh, 24 hours ago, and we do not have a big book. So we're just going to go for it. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. That, that's, that's what our podcast is about. It's what's on your mind and what are some, some thoughts. So I'll start off with the first one. Uh, we're going to alternate reading the questions, uh, and then we're going to alternate uh, having a first answer and, um, and then move forward. We're going to move through these, through these really quickly. Then we're going to talk about what we observed in the questions and then figure out what new podcasts that we need to have, and then we're out. Sound good? Nice. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in a okay. coffee shop setting. That's my, my, my mentality. We're okay, in a so coffee it's, shop it's, with the Insider Nation right now. You know what it is? It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's um, addressing parliament, but COVID. So they're, at, uh, <laughs> they're having to do it remotely. That's right. Right. So that, that's what we're doing. So we're, we're actually the, uh, the, the, um, the delegates have in, in inputted their, their, their questions. So here we go. Here's the first one. And right off the get-go, this is a great one. What's the process to go from an, an, an ad hoc sales enablement to a robust, dedicated strategic sales enablement? <laughs> go, fire. Well, so um, I, I think you got to define the from what to what very clearly, what is ad hoc and versus dedicated and things that come to mind there are ad hoc process, ad hoc programs, ad hoc projects, ad hoc uh, stakeholder management. Uh, and if you just take an inventory of what those components are and say, how do you get to a structured strategic view of stakeholder management processes, programs, uh, et cetera, you can start painting through um, and painting out uh, a, a journey that you can take across critical components. Obviously doing that in the context of what's really happening in the sales teams that you're supporting. And we can talk through that on a, probably a separate podcast, but that comes, that's what comes to mind, Scott. What do you think? Gotcha. I think there's, there's two parts, right? Part number one, I like the from what to what. Uh, so you can use uh, the three levels of maturity that, we, that we've talked about in other shows. Level maturity number one is fragmented or, or highly reactive. So think about yourself as a firefighter. Maturity level two is managed. Think about yourself as being planful about what your sales enablement programs are and coordinated with, uh, with, with other people. Sales enablement level stage number three is adaptive. You, it is difficult to define a process going from one state to another state without also having a maturity model to work backwards from. Now, that, now, having said that, so that's basically your North Star. Have three different phases. If you want to have five, that's fine. I think that's too complicated myself. Mm -hmm. uh, three is great. Now, what you have to first do is recognize why you're ad hoc in the first place. And that is di difficult. So the first step in the process it's almost like AA, Brian, right? It's, it's step number one is admit you have the problem. Step, not, you know, step number two is take inventory. What are all of the things that you're being asked to do to begin with? And then figure out if you can put a price tag on them. Uh, that price tag could either be, what does it cost us to do that thing? Or what are the results of that thing? 
if the cost is higher than what the results are, stop doing them. Uh, a, a big element of going from ad hoc to robust isn't doing more stuff. It's stopping doing the things that don't add value. You're not going to be able to do that unless you do some sort of inventory with an 80-20 rule. So we can, I definitely think we need to go through that concept more. But um, to be simple about it, if you want to move from ad hoc to robust, the first thing that you have to do is stop taking more, all the inbound uh, that, that you're doing and just take order taking. You have to figure out what, uh, how to learn how to say no, if you will, and uh, get good at that. Next I like question. it. Great. Next question. Uh, how, do, how do we guide sellers in the types of conversations that are going to resonate most with customers and prospects during the uncertain times of, uh, that we're in today and in the weeks to come? So how do we guide sellers? So we, there's a two-parter here as well. Um, you must have a North Star. And what do I mean by a North Star is these are the principles that we're going to go through. If you engage uh, customers and prospects during uncertain times and you're inauthentic, you might as well um, write them off forever. The trying to engage during these times and being on inauthentic is probably the worst, worst move that you can make. So what you need to do is create a North star of, you know, here are the principles that we're going to follow. The second thing then is how do you add value in uncertainty? And the way that you add value is to provide anything that's clarifying. So for example, if you are engaging with a customer and you've been, you know, in the stages and you've, you've constantly talked about products, change the conversation topic to be about how other clients have been successful or collect, ha have those sellers talk to other uh, other customers and ask them how are they responding to COVID have the, teach them and give them a format to collect that information and say that's interesting uh, Brian that you're responding this way here's how other people are responding and what you're doing is by doing that you're, you're helping them feel less isolated the customer feel less isolated but you're also giving them clarity in uncertain times that would be my my quick answer I think how to do that is, uh, is, is a bigger topic. Yeah, I like that. Where my head went on this one is, um, well, who's the guide? So the question is, you know, how do we guide sellers? And, you know, on one of the episodes, Scott, we talked about the role of sales enablement um, and the role of sa uh, sales management. So where I went on this was uh, the real guide, in my opinion, right now, probably is sales managers as they're dealing with the change. And, you know, how, how is sales enablement going to help that unit, that team drive team outcomes, that sales manager and his or her team? And I, I think there's three key areas. One, what are they seeing? So in a time like this, there are a lot of, I don't know, anomalies, let's call them, blips, changes, challenges. Um, how is the manager and the management team uh, inventorying these anomalies? And then what are we doing about it? That's one. The second thing is the idea of uh, remote work or changing uh, the teaming dynamic. If, if there's a manager that used to go in the office all day and that's where their salespeople were, now you're in a remote environment, are you equipping that manager to have the tools to, to, to help and, and not just inspect and, and, and or perhaps even run things like they used to 
uh, what changes and are you providing that, uh, that help? And then the third thing is uh, this idea of being real and uh, being real with, with what, you, you know, like what you said, Scott, with, with uh, customers, but that reality to me starts on the sales team. So in, in a time like this, um, you know, people are human. How is the manager and the management team processing that humanness, whether it's, you know, school closures or kids in the background? And then how do they work through that together to stay uh, focused, uh, to, to uh, work together to be creative and have the right kind of conversation with customers? That's, gotcha. that's what I would say. Next question. So get, get ready, Brian, you're up first. Okay. Translating marketing's obsession with, and it's in quotes, brand, down to the something that is meaningful to the field. Stories on improving operational efficiency, the give get of removing redundancy, but asking for different behavior. I think we did that already about the, you know, the how to say no, and more on manufacturing the right reps. Yeah. This one is, is uh, an interesting one and it's because the context and the backdrop here is the times that we're in and, and uh, the changes that have been happening because of COVID and the response. This one is a, a symptom that's um, been going on perhaps uh, longer than just the COVID situation. I mean, the idea of mark, quote unquote marketing's obsession uh, and translating that into real conversations, that's probably something that's uh, been uh, eating at this person for a while doing it in the context or tackling that in the context of a, a dynamic market like we're in and uh, risk aversion of customers, um, it can create an opportunity uh, to be more specific, but it also uh, could create some paralysis. So timing is probably not the best to tackle that. But if you had to, I would say, look, you know, our customers are more risk averse. They have, uh, I, you know, we're having conversations, but these conversations that we're having are not necessarily on the buying journey, so to speak. They're not on that buying path. So I need to do two things. I need to relate better. What kind of content do we have to help me relate better other than a COVID-19 message that legal wants me to send? And then two, uh, how do I actually um, you know, be real enough to uh, talk through their risks that they see uh, inside their own organization? What kind of content do I have there? So here's my reaction to that. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Winston Churchill's quote, never let a crisis go to waste. If this has been, and I'm going to concentrate there, this is a three-part three part question. I'm going to blend the manufacturing, the right reps with the brand uh, the, and, and the message. Here's the opportunity. I think this is a fantastic opportunity to confront this problem. If we, if we establish, we already had the question earlier on is how do we engage with customers in today's uh, way? Was, we must be uh, authentic. If we pick on what, uh, what one of the earlier conversations, if you remember, Kunal was talking about uh, his, his conversation with John Chambers saying transparency too. We have to be transparent and authentic with our customers. What's the next step of that? Our messaging must be cohesive. Because messaging must be cohesive, you must tackle the brand, the product messaging, all of the messaging that is disparate. You cannot look like you're lying to customers right now. And unfortunately today, because all of the messaging is uh, unorchestrated, 
singing off a different music sheet, et cetera, you may unintentionally set reps up to look dishonest. So I think this is a fantastic opportunity to elevate your role and move forward on it under the umbrella of we must be authentic, we must be transparent with our clients. In order to do that, we must get uh, alignment. We, we, we've got to get this brand down into, in, into something useful. I like, I, I think we need to break that down even further uh, to be more manageable because there's a lot of marketers who, um, who play roles in coming up with messaging. There's individual product marketers, there's solution marketers. We're probably going to want to tap into customer success people uh, uh, if people are f taking inbound phone calls, branding, et cetera. All of those different things are all message elements that have to be orchestrated. We probably need to zoom in on that. Uh, for me, this is a golden opportunity to change something that has been broken for decades. Yeah, I like that, Scott. And um, the, the difference in that is, and the key that you're pointing out on that is, this idea of doing it together, not just saying, hey, marketing, where's my more relevant message? It's seizing the moment to, to make that message um, land through these multiple perspectives. I really, I really like that. All right, let's see. Next question. How can we as sales enablement professionals in the hotel industry support the many sales professionals that are put on unpaid leave due to ownership mitigation plans? And how can we support them coming back? Awesome that I get to answer this first. <laughs> so uh, what, what's, what's pretty funny is uh, uh, because of our audience and the emergence of, of sales enablement, we have people in manufacturing, obviously in the hospitality industry. So I'm going to try to answer this as specifically as possible, but also know that we have, um, hopefully this individual will cut us some slack and recognize that we are not a transportation industry specific or um, hotel industry specific. Right. Uh, yeah. Or I said transportation. I meant hospitality. Uh, right. Specific uh, uh, group. Of, of and the good thing is, though, is, is our listeners will now know that we don't filter these questions. That's right. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, right. That's true. Okay. So we let, stalled let, long enough. What's the answer, Scott? Yeah, so, so here's the answer. <laughs> no, no stalling. But let's, let's break this down. So here's common patterns that exist across different industries. So the corporate entity of, of a hotel has some say. The individual proprietors have a lot of say too. So this is no different than if you're an office, manufacturing, uh, office furniture manufacturer and distributing through partners or whether you're a software company distributing through, uh, through vendors. The salespeople, the independent businesses that, that you partner with that you call partners have salespeople themselves. So they are going to decide to lay off people or not lay off people. How do you help them? And I think it's a good opportunity uh, uh, to, to, for, for those. So let's, let's break that down even further. For each one of those different parts, first recognize that those salespeople are human beings. So one thing that you can do is if they are on unpaid leave, you can still give them um, things to sharp, keep sharpening their um, sharpening them their saw, so providing them information and updates about 
day, daily trends or weekly trends that are happening while they're furloughed will help, help them feel connected, which is something that anybody who gets laid off doesn't want to feel disconnected. Another thing that you probably want to do is you want to reinforce uh, you know, their value and help them understand that they are the victim of a global circumstance. They're not the victim of a lack of a performance. When anybody gets laid off, the psychology of them is messed up. So I think that the, the number one thing that you can do there is find ways to keep them engaged, maybe make a podcast series or something just, just for them, and make sure you're empathetic. Interview, you know, maybe pick one or two of them and interview them uh, on, on each show to show that, that this is about them. Do not try to sell anything in those. That would be inauthentic. Just try to help make sure that they're prepared. That would be, uh, that would be my, uh, uh, oh, here, here's another thing. If you do find information in, in, that, in, in that community about um, every government is ha has different strategies about how they're handling with it, if you find ways on you know, unemployment or any kind of benefits, please make sure that they're aware of it and how, and walk them through specifically how to go get those funds so that they can um, be able to put food on the table for their family. Yeah, great, Scott, and I uh, totally agree. And also, um, you know, I like this question in time like this because obviously there's a huge human element to what we do. And, um, you know, just scanning, I just Googled here while you were talking and, you know, there's companies that are as small and medium businesses that are laying off 90% of their workforces. Uh, that's one headline. There's actually a waiter. Uh, there's a, there's a, a story about a waiter uh, on the side of the road who was let go and, you know, he's holding a sign and he's trying to figure out what to do. Right. So that's a real thing. And also um, I, I would say in, in the context of sales enablement, the role of sales enablement, a critical component of the role is to help execute strategies. When you look at this um, and what's happening here, a headcount and um, risk mitigation is a real thing. Headcount head reduction is part of risk mitigation. That is, you know, the corporate strategy. Um, and on the flip side of that, there are a lot of companies that are paying people during unpaid leave and they're, they're actually hiring more because of, for example, Amazon hiring 100,000 people. So uh, those are corporate strategies. So in sales enablement, you know, our goal is to help uh, implement that. I think asking this question is part of that, asking leadership, what can we do? And then two, uh, helping with Scott um, saying, look, you know, or, or piggybacking on what Scott said, you know, what can we provide? Because uh, so, there will be a bounce back. How do we uh, rehire? And, and let's think about our rehire strategy. Do we have a list? Do we, you know, what's our process for reaching out when we do um, want to hire people? Things like that, instead of just cutting them loose. Awesome. And one, um, this probably goes without saying, I just need to, I feel obligated to say it to our listeners. When you engage the C-suite of your company, do not say, what can we do? And don't have suggestions. Um, always provide options and then let them choose the options. Uh, if, if they're a, a, a solid executive, they're going to ask you to weigh in 
And by you having options gives you a lot more control. If you prepare on one contingency and, and don't do it, you are uh, gonna create friction. So number one is you don't go to an executive and say, what can we do and not have anything? The open slate, that's um, going to irritate them to a massive degree. On the flip side, don't go with, here's our, here's our solution. Here's our one solution. Uh, what if they don't like it? So yeah, don't, always don't shit engage, on right? <laughs> don't always go shit on the executives. executives. Come up Sorry. with plans. Pick one of the plans that's patently absurd just so that they can go yell at that one. But make sure you have plans. Never, ever, ever engage an executive and don't give them options. That's just, that's just bad strategy. I like it. And right. speaking of strategy. Yes, next one is, um, for you, Brian, the topic is balancing uncertain or urgency with strategy. Yeah, this is a good question, um, but I, I would need a little bit of clarification. Urgency with strategy. I think um, urgency is um, the name of the game and speed and agility is the new way of competing. So this feels like a little bit of a, a question of competition. How do we compete with strategy? Maybe, maybe the person writing was saying, you know, how do we balance tactics and doing with strategy? But urgency with strategy is an interesting one. Um, because uh, that, that means to me uh, being competitive and to be competitive, balancing that with strategy, um, it really is how do we skate to the puck and, and how do we get to where we're going uh, as opposed to stopping. And, um, you know, if you, if you stop the work, if you stop the actual planning and execution of, of enablement activities and wait and see, uh, that's a problem. If on the other side, you just start randomly doing stuff um, and creating randomness, that's also a problem. So perhaps that's what this person means is, look, you know, there's a sense of urgency because we're in a, a crisis where we're being asked for solutions or help. How do we make sure that we're processing through that? We're providing the right type of structured approaches and, and uh, well thought through uh, plans that we can execute. And also, um, we're, we're considered part of the solution, uh, not part of the of the challenge and part of the problem here. Look, uh, you know, we all have to roll together. We all have to get through this in order to achieve the strategy. Gotcha. So that's where I'm at. What do you think, Scott? So I, I concentrate on the word balance. What the reason I, that I think it's important, and I'm putting dramatic pause in there, Balance isn't just up to us as individual sales enabling people. Balance is also managing the understanding and expectations of everybody. So the first thing is I'm not necessarily sure urgency with strategy uh, is, uh, are, are the right dimensions, but I get what, what's, what's happening here. What's happening here is we have this rule of thought uh, we, we've all learned Cotter's, uh, Cotter's forces about change management. And one of the things is to create a sense of urgency. Unfortunately, when too many people are urgent all at once, there's no understanding and there's no uh, way for strategy to form. So creating better understanding and, and coming up with some structures to help uh, foster that understanding 
what you want to be able to do is your best ability, sort of the jujitsu of managing all of these different competing threads is to create structures to hold the mirror up to the organization. And what I mean by that is you will be much more powerful if you can come up with uh, sort of like the techniques that consultants use to provide assessments or guides, not assessments of individuals though. It's just saying, well, three different people said we have an urgent need. The urgent, let me summarize for you what those urgent needs are and you can see how they conflict. On the same token, we've gotten four different strategy uh, uh, imperatives. Some of these are aligned and some of them are, are, are conflated. How do we navigate moving forward? What is it that we should do? If you get a conversation going on there, you might uh, you run into a little bit of resistance, but ultimately what you do is you get people on the same page and everybody can move forward together. But it's taking this, this, the time and having the discipline to just hold the mirror up and say, this is how we're reacting. Is this the behavior that we want to communicate? So that's, that's my take. It's developing Great. techniques to balancing that urgency. I like it. Great. So you're up. Okay. So, um, Scott, how do we stay away from the pitfalls of being reactive versus being thoughtfully collaborative cross-functionally to come up with an action plan that brings value to customers in this difficult time? Um, the stress of today can cause a disjointed message in the market and make companies look ill-prepared to support their customers. So I think that's a good tie-in, and I think that's uh, related. The, the, these are the invisible problems. So what I want to highlight is let, let's give this more of an identity. These are the invisible problems that sales enablement people run into all the time. So if we click this back up to something that tangible that we can all relate to, Basically what it is, is the, the, our role inside the company is predicated fundamentally on two things. What are the expectations that people have of us or that we've set for them? And then whether we're delivering on those expectations. What's happening here in the middle is exactly the, the, the byproduct of that. If you're not clear on which department or which group what expectations they have of you. So if you have set the expectation that you're the get it, uh, we, we fix, we're the VP of broken things and we fix things quickly, you're always gonna be reactionary. You haven't carved out any space or any expectation that you're gonna be thoughtful. The other thing too is if you, if you have been you know, thoughtful, you're gonna have to act more quickly. So going back to locking in on what's the one thing, how you balance the pitfalls between the two, is figuring out what the expectations are and what, how you're delivering. You need to also cut, click on another step further. You may encounter stress from executives who are being terse and not on. Don't take it personally. They are under stress also. Use that as an opportunity to say, what is their driving force? Find a way to understand what that is and ask them. Don't just go off and jump on things. 
at the end of the day, executives want clear results and they don't want to compound mistakes. You just have to develop a strategy on how to balance that. The last thing I would say, don't compound it by just going off and doing stuff. If you go off and just do a bunch of stuff, you are magnifying and amplifying that stress. You don't want to be part of that. That's my answer. Great. Yeah, my, my uh, thought here on this one is, you know, staying away from the pitfalls of being reactive versus thoughtful collaboration, right? So uh, I'm, I'm putting myself in, hey, we're, we're all working remote. Um, we're trying to get stuff done. And, you Who's know, we? yeah, we as sales enablement and, and working with uh, sales leaders, salespeople, product, marketing, whoever, and as sales enablement, uh, we're, we're trying to run these meetings like we've always perhaps run these meetings. Or uh, because of the times we're in, everybody's on LinkedIn and they're reading all these great ideas about working remotely. Um, so, you know, people are having to get set up to do that. And when you have an influx of new ideas, plus a new uh, approach to teaming, call you know, working or approach to teaming, um, it's hard to sort through that in a group um, and be productive. And I think that's part of the question here is how do we work through this and uh, how do we get productive and, uh, on the other side? And I would say it's it, it, get to the basics of do it, uh, practice it, and uh, actually engage uh, more directly with these tools and, and remotely. So do it more frequently um, and, and learn how to do it together. What you're going to probably find is email isn't the best medium to team up on building an output together. Uh, what you'll probably find is if you pop up Slack, there's a lack of discipline in Slack and it's a lot of noise. Um, you, maybe there's uh, somebody wants to use a project management tool that you've never used before. These are real things that you're going to have to be patient with and help provide structure to. Uh, and so the organization of thought and uh, approaches is actually, to me, one of the critical components of sales enablement is providing some, some frameworks, some tools, some structure for this teaming to occur remotely. That's where my head went. All right. Who's... All right. How much time do we have left? We got th- uh, a few more questions. Okay. So balance the uh, investment in methodology and CRM tools versus messaging and selling competency. All right. So balancing the investment in methodology. So I assume sales methodology and CRM tools. So that's one side with messaging and selling competency. So I'm going to process that as process and tools in one side versus conversations and methods and skills and techniques on the other, um, which then leads me to process and tools could equal heavy inspection, right? So um, how do we avoid over, over inspection and, and hitting everybody and forcing process adherence and tool compliance versus thinking through, uh, working through what's actually happening in sales conversations. And so that leads me then to the inputs that people collect. Uh, If you're collecting inputs and data on process and CRM usage, that's what people are gonna wanna use. 
If you're collecting inputs as a sales enablement professional on sales conversations, what types of conversations salespeople are having and uh, what challenges are coming up on those sales conversations. And those are the inputs that you're gathering. Then it's natural to, to um, want to tackle that. So I would say uh, the balancing act is looking at what inputs are you collecting and what are you communicating back internally? Um, while there might be a need or desire to, to inspect, to, to feel like there's control, uh, just in the nature of this question, you probably know uh, in sales enablement that the real value here is in, in having great uh, customer conversations that are productive and moving the sales process forward. So go, go inspect that and go work on that with your sales team. Excellent. For me, this is a systems problem. And I don't mean technology systems. I mean, this is a systems thinking problem. Uh, in order to balance the investment of methodology and, and CRM tools, and then also make sure investment in messaging and selling competencies are, you have to, make, you have to bring both of these things together. So for, for me, a model that's been very effective for, for, for me is to say it, 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 it's this sequence of events too. There's, you have to deliver it in, in a certain way or else people get too confused. But if you click back up, uh, why do we have a sales force is to communicate value to customers. Uh, when you look at that, it's a system. That system you, you draw out and make it look like a, um, like a circuit. And you have audience on, the, on one end. In between audience and message, messenger, you have two bi-directional arrows. And then you have messages. That's your circuit. And basically what you want to be able to say is that the methodology in the CRM tool is the um, uh, automation system that, that, that makes it run. And then that way you can start calculating all of the costs involved. Because you, you need to do this because the costs of messaging and selling competencies is not part of the equation for most executives when they make uh, tool or methodology investments. It just isn't. Because in their head, there's a static relationship between the productivity of your reps and the number of reps you've got. And therefore, if you roll out uh, infrastructure, that, uh, that should move. But you have to remind them, we can train, we can have the best trained salespeople in the world. And if they show up and they don't know anything about physics and they're, uh, you know, ha having a conversation with uh, theoretical physicians, uh, the theoretical physicists at Harvard, they're not going to get anywhere. They might be able to have good conversations, but it's not going to lead to anything because they don't have any about what. That's the content messaging and, and competency, engagement competency. On the flip side is you can have all the best content in the world, but if the salespeople don't know how to engage that particular audience, it doesn't matter. And when you state it that um, simply or commonsensically, but then map it back to math, you win. And that's how you are able to have the conversation to balance. You're going to need to build a model for that so that you can actually do the balancing for it. But I just wanted to give a, 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 simple, uh, a, a simple lens to look at at that, at, at that from. So we're going we're gonna to do two more questions. What we're going to do is I'm going to read through some of the other things that are on top of mind. Uh, I wanted to be able to answer all of them because you guys took the time out uh, to do this. 
but I don't want to be overwhelming. So we're going we're gonna to land with one last one, but here are some of the other, uh, the other topics. Um, how do you sell in an unknown market? It's good, good topic. It's simple to the point. I love it. Uh, best strategies for moving our program to, to entirely remote. I think we need to dedicate a whole new, um, a whole episode on that, Brian. Now that onboarding is less important, how do we move to increasing sales team engagement and morale? How do we keep the existing team moving to the next level of performance? I think a lot of those questions are answered in our Hire to Retire um, uh, podcast. Um, you can go and listen to that, uh, but I think we need to dedicate more time definitely to the programs working uh, remotely. Next, next topic is training and professional development, speed to success post onboarding, pipeline building and progression. I think all of those, you must lay your metrics first because you're and negotiate with with whomever is your your executive sponsor to make sure that the metrics and the actions are tightly aligned then you can answer those pretty easily scaling sales and enablement with a small team that's wait that's a great that's an ongoing topic engaging virtually virtual tools uh definitely think that that relates to something uh later there's one really long one i don't um should we read it or not, Brian? It's really, really, really long. No, I don't. I think um, you know. No, okay. Let's keep and it, it's basically uh, reinforces a lot of the other stuff. Gotcha. Uh, what's the role of streaming and other uh, uh, other technologies to making this happen? Uh, that's probably under the bucket of uh, how do we work, work, work remotely. And then the last question that I want us to end on uh, is. How is everyone converting to an all virtual world for the foreseeable future? How do we keep our audiences engaged for hours at a time remotely? And how do we gate all well-intended efforts to digitally flood the field and partners even more than they have been previously? Yeah, that's a great question. Wow. Uh, well, there's a huge assumption in there um, that that has to be done. For example, uh, we have to go all virtual. Uh, that's probably a pretty good assumption. Uh, second one, how do we keep our audiences engaged for hours at a time remotely? Uh, I'm not sure that's a good assumption. Uh, how do we gate all well-intended efforts to digitally flood the field? Um, how do we gate it, you know, gatekeeper it? I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a good assumption. And then um, how do we, how do we uh, do, how do we uh, flood them even more than they've been previously. I'm not sure that's a good assumption either. So if that's the internal muscle memory, if you will, or the internal push is to do this more, um, you, could, you could waste a lot of uh, personal effort and company resources as opposed to flipping it around and saying, look, we're in an all virtual world. We, we can at least all agree on that. Um, let's focus on what we can agree on here. The, the question now becomes in the, in the enablement role, what's our role of enabling sellers in this all digital world? And uh, I think you got to start with what do salespeople need right now? And it's, it's some basics. Like um, if you go on Amazon and search for webcams, uh, there aren't many. Um, people don't have setups to work virtually. So, I mean, you got to, you got to understand the game we're playing and equip people to play the game. Um, the idea of flooding them 
uh, right now when they're getting flooded by, you know, I just did a search, you know, there's 350 billion hits on COVID-19 on Google right now, and they're getting hit with probably 200 or more, you know, COVID-19 emails from a variety of different companies that they bought from. There's a lot of input uh, right now on, on the virus. So uh, you got to be helpful and start small and start simple and work backwards from the conversations and the reality that, that sellers are facing. Help them get set up and help them engage. Don't flood them. So here's, here's my response to that. I think uh, a response to the question. First of all, I appreciate, uh, Brian, you going through and uh, publishing out assumptions. What I think is very important as a tactic for anything is write down what your question is and then come back to it an hour or two later so that you can find out what, what it is that you're really after. You're going to be hard pressed to move super quickly. So what I, what I think is um, you, you have to really tackle this problem and chunk it out. So you do have to have a vision of where we're heading and assume you should assume that for the next three months, at least, probably six months, we're going to be engaging in a virtual world, which means more virtual stuff will occur. So have a vision for what that world's going to look like. The second thing, the, the, the next thing that you need to do immediately is start teaching people tactics. Easy to follow tactics that people can um, uh, behave and emulate that behavior instantly. And, and what I mean by that is my son learned how to do flips off of the diving board really, really quickly by emulating and watching YouTube videos. So instead of forcing people to engage remotely with your um, uh, web-based stuff, make it asynchronous. In other words, make it just in time so that they can do it, but make sure it's model model or bull show people actually doing it so that they can repeat it themselves so that they can they, they can simulate that behavior the third thing that you must do is in order to to, to simplify it and, and get people uh, working again you must make you must identify some sort of virtual work habit it, simulate what their environment is repeat it test it yourself if you're not doing what they're doing, you're probably adding to the clutter. The next thing is you use the opportunity. If you expect a lot of internal groups to flood the field and partners with random acts of virtual enablement, inventory it, show it, elevate it. I can't stress enough how valuable that is of taking inventory. Nobody sees the problem that way. And if you don't document it, you're just going to be sounding like, no, we don't want you to, we don't want your help. We don't want um, you to do things. You must frame it out what the business problem is. The business problem is so many uncoordinated things bombarding the sales force all at once. That is an absolute way to create paralysis. So the point is, in, in order to pull that out together, have a, have a quick vision, create a vision, start sh shopping it, write down what it is that you're looking to accomplish so you can parse it out. Take immediate steps right now. 
Those immediate steps must be modelable. Do not force people onto online programs that they have to go between two and four o'clock. Take advantage of the digital world, guys. We, you can record digital assets and have people check in and check out of them whenever you want. Heck, you're listening to a podcast right now while you're walking around or folding laundry or whatever. Do this for your reps. That's, um, uh, those are my thoughts there. Yep. And so, uh, I like it. Summarize, you know, what did you take away from all the questions and what are we going to do next? Well, I, I really appreciate the questions. Like you said, it was a fast turnaround time. Uh, the questions were all in the same bucket of wanting to help and wanting to enable. And uh, we saw the really a variety of different perspectives in that, which I think is super helpful. I learned a lot just thinking through this. And also it helps me um, provide a, um, an input back out. And I think that's the key is gather, gather the inputs, Multiple perspectives are, are critical at this point in time. Don't isolate uh, and then uh, put it back out and see what other people think. And collaboration can be driven uh, through that type of practice. And one of the things that I, I think as a takeaway, Scott, is we should do this more often. One, uh, we should you know, leverage this medium more. And then two, I, I'd like to you know, actually open this up more uh, to uh, that dialogue from from our uh, listeners, uh, perhaps even online, things like that, uh, to model, to your point, model this idea of enablement. Um, and uh, let's use this moment in time to innovate. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mimic that. My biggest takeaway is um, when, as you know, you're, you're listening to this passively, but we're actually doing it in the moment. And I'm all fired up now to go take action <laughs> by, uh, having yeah, me too, man. To uh, a whole bunch of action questions. So what I am going to do is I'm going to challenge you, the, you as the audience, you're listening, you and Insider Nation, you're listening to this passively, right? You're coming up with ideas. You have to give those feedback, that, that feedback back to us, whatever it is, in any way, shape or form. Send us an email, um, leave a voicemail, um, post it on LinkedIn. I don't care how, find a way. That's going to do two things. One is you are playing the role of the salesperson. You are also experiencing how do I get information in this asynchronous way. You're also simulating patterns that you're going to need to model out for your sellers. I think let's practice what we preach and, and use this. Do this as a feedback mechanism. You guys put us all on spot on, on the spot. Um, I don't know how many people could rapidly fire answer all those questions. And frankly, our advice was awesome. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you're, you're going to be in a much better spot if you follow these, the, these kinds of rules. And frankly, you probably didn't think about, uh, you know, half of the questions that other people are dealing with. So take advantage of, of us as a resource, sort of like, a, you know, the, the central node of a network, but participate in a network as a social network engage more give us feedback say i did this here's how it worked maybe we feature you on a podcast so we can get that quick rapid fire uh, alert and we come together as a virtual community as insider nation i love the vision let's do it and let's let's help each other thanks so much everybody for listening in as always make sure you like and share this uh 
out there on LinkedIn. Also, make sure you head over to InsideSE.com and, and, and fill out the subscription box. Every time we publish a new podcast, you'll get an email. And don't forget to add us to your uh, podcast player and tell your friends. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request. <laughs>